0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to yet another episode of The Inforium, the world's greatest podcast, bar none, with no qualifications. You'd agree with me on that, right, Martin?
1: I love all sorts of statements that have no qualifications. That's the exact yep. kind of statement
0: I make. This is the blanket time. statement factory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, welcome to our show that is, I guess, about productivity and self-development and is an excuse for myself and Martin to have have us a chat every couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. Loosely connected to some kind of content. We do loosely connect it to something, don't we? It's quality content, though, from James Quall. Quality comedy. Every time. This week on the Inforium, we've got five questions. We know from feedback from you that y'all love five questions episodes, and we like doing them because it's fun to just go through a bunch of questions and give a bunch of answers. Um, the reason we're doing five questions this week is because we are in the process of completely revamping our video workflow, which is taking a lot of time, but we are already seeing the fruits being bore, born from that challenge. Uh, yeah, very, very many fruits, but very many times, all of the times, I'm dead. Absolutely. So yes, your preview for this episode, we got five lightning round questions covering a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, and these questions I thought were really good. I don't know where you got them, Martin, but they're good questions.
1: Got a good mix I, here. I do not Personal remember. finance, organization. You know,
0: to me. Time time management, all kinds of good stuff here. Uh, but first, like we always like to do here on the Inforium, we got project check-in. Uh, you have been in Pineappolis, which is my my new Pineapolis. term in my head for Minneapolis.
1: Yeah. Uh that's for one, two, three weeks now? Um, what's the date?
0: It's the nineteenth. I got here on like the twentieth, so about a month. Almost a month, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, your your background looks fairly clean. Yep. Uh, hopefully this week we'll actually have video for you. Last week we had a, a technological that would be, mess up and you were just a llama cool. the whole time. But at least so, there's a llama.
1: Um, yeah, I've done there a lot of llama. work to make my living room work area look nice. It's a one bedroom. So like the living room is simultaneously my office and also my bedroom minus the bed. Like my games are in here, piano, stuff like that.
0: Have you been doing all of your work at home? Yes. Okay.
1: Every bit. I got a standing desk right over there, which is pretty cool.
0: Oh yeah, you have two desk setups.
1: Yep. I did not not have an easy way to move the other. Well, actually it's it's better because (laughs) these are all easier to move than the last one. Mm -hmm. The last one was just impossible to get anywhere and the way I moved here necessitated sacrifice but the desk over here has just this nice standing desk adapter on it and it's beautifully clean there's nothing cluttering up the desk and that's the environment I want when I'm doing a lot of work and all of these arms and camera things in front of me would annoy me on that desk so I got this super cheap other desk that is just my camera desk that's fair I can't. I can't focus with these things around me. If I was trying to write at this desk, I don't think it would work well.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty complicated. I was doing some writing at my desk today, and I've got cameras and lights everywhere, but it's not the ideal writing place, especially for somebody like you, who I know appreciates uh, a sense of that Scandinavian cleanliness, blank
1: state kind I, of thing. I do like. I do like a blank a blank space Mm -hmm. baby where I write names
0: and such. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you've been in Minneapolis for uh, about a month. I think it's it's probably a good point for us to jump back into proper project check-in and uh, talk about what we got going on. So what do you got going on, my dude?
1: Well, it is appropriately timed because just during this month, within the last couple of weeks, I started my first, and as of today, my second goal book cycle, where I actively try oh. to do something other than just move. Yeah, And I've done something that is unprecedented for me and maybe was a good idea. The first cycle was dedicated entirely to my physical and mental health. I did not include a single artistic project. I have not been posting photos. I I figured you know, this is my chance to start over and see what I want to do. So I don't want to immediately copy and paste the life routine I had in Denver over here. That's not a good way of questioning whether it was the one I wanted. So I figured if I focus on my physical and mental health first, I'll be able to step back and sort of from a better position of clarity, figure out what all of those artistic projects mean to me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting a very flexible system where I try each of them a couple of times a week, a certain number of times based on how much I want to focus on them, but it doesn't matter which day. So I'm trying to be very forgiving and very flexible as I set up this new life, rather than jumping into a lot of rigidity and setting myself up for immediate failure and discouragement.
0: That seems like a good, a good way to do it. Experimentation.
1: Yeah. Like I can't experiment if it's that rigid. So I can't find out the new way to live my life. I don't want to just assume the old way was correct. That's a bad way to grow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a good way to do it. So basically that that's the project is figure out the routine at this point.
1: Yeah. I'm going to start some, I'm going to try some language writing this week. I'm going to try some photography. I'm going to try some music and varying amounts and maybe one, maybe all of them will pull to me in, in different
0: ways and let me know how much they deserve to be a part of my life going forward. That's cool. Uh, for my part, I've been building my new routine of, uh, commuting to, the coworking space yes. and that has gone hand in hand with something that the entire team has been doing. So I, I don't know if we mentioned this in the last episode, but we're kind of in the process of really codifying um, a workflow with defined roles for the YouTube channel. And you know, I say this more as an address to the audience than to you because you know this very well. I've gotten to a point where I, I've been making videos since 2014 on a regular basis with very few breaks Uh, And I have other interests in life (laughs) and other career interests. So we're kind of to a point now where, you know, I've been so artistically involved in the creation of my YouTube videos for so long that I have like amassed this team, you and Tony and Ransom, while at the same time kind of failing to delegate a lot of the responsibilities around the creation of those videos (laughs) to that team. and and that's that's resulted in a lot of a lot of uh workflow frustrations I guess and you know I kind of owe that to my own control freak nature and perfectionism so we're in the process of really codifying like what is my role for videos and then giving every other part of it to the team uh and our first video that has been done with that process is going live actually today as we record this we are waiting for it to export. And I think by the time you and I are done recording this podcast, it'll be ready to go up on YouTube. Nice, Uh, And it'll it'll be the last one that I think I upload just so I can record the process of uploading it, screen record it, and then send it to you. So we've kind of got this, the the biggest project we have going on right now is uh, you kind of learning how to take on a producer role, learning the whole like uh, overarching process of running the YouTube channel giving more responsibility to Tony on the edit side, giving more responsibility on the research and scripting end to Ransom. Uh, And that is going to allow me to go on to some bigger projects that I really want to do. I would love to write another book. I actually had a lot of fun writing 10 Steps Starting Awesome Grades. And I have a book idea in my head, which I'm going to keep under wraps for now, but I've got a book idea in my head um, we'll see what happens with with publishers and and pitches and things like that I'm currently in talks with my agent about that. And then I'm also uh, going to start taking into consideration the merit of building in public when it comes to my notion course that I'm working on. So we have got. Free Notion tutorial videos coming up on the Thomas Frank Explains channel this month. Got a whole series that we're working on. And then uh, I have been taking an actual class about how to properly build educational experiences online. It's called the On Deck Course Creators uh, Foundation or, uh, Fellowship. So my first two sessions in that class have already convinced me I wanna do my Notion course, like my high-end one, as a cohort. Because the value I have gotten from this course creators fellowship, I, I've taken more away from the breakout sessions that they have us do during the classes. And one of the big takeaways I I, I got from that is uh, building in public is a great way to get people excited about the course, to help people who you know help people figure out is this something that I want, and to help them even shape the content. So this month, people are gonna see me on Twitter starting to publicly build out the plan for my advanced Notion course. So that, those are kind of my projects, you know, starting, starting work on a book proposal, really going hard on the Notion course, and necessarily learning how to better delegate a lot of the processes around content creation to my team, including yourself.
1: Yes, indeed. I worked very many hours Thursday and Friday trying to make sure everybody knew what was going on. I don't think that'll be necessary in general, but I was just like, we're going to start this and we're going to start it now because we've talked about Mm -hmm. it for a while and this time it's going to work and
0: it's going to be good. We had a good amount of lead time on this video. Um, With the next one, we're going to have even more. I am going to film it right after we record this and get the next video uploaded. So you guys will have a full week to work on it for that one and then i've got a uh, i think i'm filming two more this week so really what i what i would love to do at least for you know the time being is i would love to come in and film multiple videos on one day that we can just you know have in the pipeline because to write a book and to make a course those are two huge projects that require a lot of uninterrupted stretches of time and if i'm constantly filming videos, you know, every single week or multiple times a week, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. So this is kind of me like, you know, taking seriously the prospect of of moving, you know, not leaving YouTube behind, but moving beyond and being able to have a thriving YouTube channel while also allowing myself to do projects I wanna do. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of the big project right now. I'm very happy with the video that we created and I'm very happy with the process that we've, Done. You know, we had a few tweaks to make, but very, very minimal.
1: We're just trying to get you to step off the treadmill for a few seconds that you've been running yeah. <laughs> on for so long. And like that's the problem with internet content, is that yep. in general you can never stop or you will be punished. And uh that is the problem. Comes with a lot of anxiety.
0: Yeah, you know, you as you gain followers, like the, the fact that everything runs on algorithms now means that you are on a treadmill. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, as as much as it's As much as I have advocated to not do this, it's still hard for me to not compare myself to a lot of the other people in my space. So, uh, a lot of what I'm doing is relinquishing control so I don't fall victim to those comparisons and to the perfectionism and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And, and, you know, to give myself more time. So, those are kind of my projects right now for this week specifically. I've got two more videos, actually. I think I'm filming 3 videos this week. So this is going to be this is going to be like wow. the week. Yep. And I have to often. do it. I have to do it because I've got my vaccine now and I've got a trip to New York planned. So I kind of need to make sure content You've got is like going. actual
1: you've got actual deadline material here. You've I got do. things that are happening.
0: Yep. So that's that's the project I got going on right now. And in terms of the routine I've been building, uh, I think I've officially put 400 miles on the e-bike. And I actually bought it one month ago today. It was March 19th. And that is one of the best investments I have ever made.
1: Yeah, I'm super uh, jealous. I need to start biking more in general, but the e-bike thing. Yeah.
0: Well, where you live, like where you live, I don't know if you need it. Well, and th- this it's is snowing like right people- now, so I just
1: haven't biked at all yet.
0: That's fair. You could buy an a e, uh, fat bike and embrace okay. the Minneapolis okay. winter biking culture. I've seen it, but I've, I've gotten a few Twitter questions from people saying, Oh, Hey, what e-bike would you recommend? Would you recommend the one you bought? And maybe I should do a video on this, but my recommendation is, you know, don't start with an e-bike. If you're not already biking a lot, like try a, just a bicycle, even if it's like a hundred to $200 cheap bicycle. Because if you're not super far from your destinations, that may be all you need to adopt that instead of motor travel. Uh, where it, where the e-bike becomes very useful is when you're in my situation, commuting 22 miles each way. Then it becomes almost a necessity. I Actually, I would like to test this and maybe once or twice do that commute on a regular road bike and just see how much worse it is. <laughs> i i've done 45 miles in a day before but is it's this gonna be another
1: like tom passes out on the side of the road story
0: no i've learned see i've learned you've learned that you want to try the same thing again so i don't I've know i've learned to bring more food and Fine. more water all right because when i passed out i had only brought a single bottle of water and i had only eaten a banana
1: every day i think to myself am i gonna lose my friend and my job at the same time because he died in <laughs> some freak accident Maybe that's what I think
0: every morning. <laughs> Look, I almost died, but I'm tough. I bounce back. So don't you worry. Uh, and and if I do die, then um, the cat gets it all. Sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with that. Arwen deserves it. She does. She's very cute. All right. Let's get into five questions. Uh, before we jump into the first one, when we do five questions episodes, we take questions from our YouTube comments for the Inforium or we take them from Twitter or Instagram. Mostly Twitter, I think. I don't really check Instagram DMs too much. So if you have questions for us, uh, I'm Tom Frankly on Twitter. Martin is YoMartholomew. We collect questions that are sent to either account or we look at those comment sections for Inforium episodes. Typically like within the week they go live. Uh, so let's get into the first one. When I close my computer, I put all the tabs in a folder and I now have almost ten thousand links to put in order. How can I in, how can I organize all this information?
1: <laughs> Sometimes I pick questions just to call you out in a way. Whoa, you've, whoa, whoa! You've whoa. maybe I noticed I have ten
0: thousand links in a folder.
1: They're probably still open on your computer. I only have. If you say any number below thirty, I'm going to be very impressed.
0: Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. T- I have thirteen tabs open. I am impressed. I would have fewer open, but before this podcast episode, I was doing research and scripting for the Obsidian video. So I had a few tabs open doing research on that. Uh, Sorry, I didn't close them all before this podcast. Maybe you've changed your ways. That's fewer than... Well, I've been using that Workona extension, the one I talked about in the Google Chrome extensions video. And that's really useful because it's got like different uh you can like have the different workspaces for each project. So I try to use that and I'm like, okay, this is Obsidian video. I'm got this workspace open. And if I for whatever reason open tabs for another project in a different, you know, a different project, I'll just i move them when I think about it. So that I've been a lot better. Sounds
1: really cool. Like yeah, different like desktops but browser collections of tabs?
0: It's yeah, it's basically like That's that. That's a great idea. It's really nice. Uh but I actually have a different piece of advice for this person because it would be really easy to be like oh yeah i just use workona and start organizing it but if you literally have 10,000 links in a single folder then what you basically have created for yourself is like a public library like i can go to the public library and i technically have access to every book there but there are so many that for me to try to like make some sort of personal organization system for every book every every book in that library it would be useless because I cannot take action on every one of those books now and I can't do that in the next year. Like it's just, it's not gonna happen. So what I would say to this person is consider it to be a very similar case to uh, when people have thousands thousands and thousands of messages in their email inbox. Uh, The solution for that is to declare email bankruptcy, which means Every single one of those messages in the inbox gets archived. Don't delete them. Just archive them, get them out of sight, out of mind. And then when you come across a situation where you're like, oh yeah, I was supposed to respond to that person or I really need to you know, look up this one thing I knew it was in my inbox, you can search for it. And that's the same thing you can do with this folder. You know, Okay, I, I now remember I was like looking up stuff on uh, e-bikes or whatever. I, I think I had a few links in there in my 10,000 links about e-bikes, okay, you know, go into the Google bookmark manager and just search for e-bike. But if it's 10,000 links, like, I don't know, do you agree, do you disagree? I just think it's, uh, it's too much information. Yeah, to be I useful.
1: think that at this point it's, the 10,000 links is equivalent to zero links. It doesn't, I, searching through those is borderline the same as just Googling what you needed to find anyway. And yeah, I mean, I only try to keep a couple of tabs open at once. I, I'm very much do this task, then close the tab But Mm -hmm. a bookmarks folder, or unless it's obviously something I go back to over and over, then bookmarks actually is being used like bookmarks. But when it comes to this, it's like the same thing with task lists for me. If I start taking something that I could do now, and I throw it all in a to-do list, or I throw it all in a look at this later bookmarks folder to sort through, I'm just enabling myself to procrastinate. I'm just enabling information hoarding. I'm just sort of... um, like you can't do everything, and computers, because of this, make it make you feel like if you organize it just right, you can do everything. Hmm? You just yep. need to organize it with the right note taking system and task. You still can't actually. The computer has deceived you. That ten thousand link thing is the same as nothing. It mm-hmm. it's uh not really worth. You, you put things in there to die. That's a graveyard.
0: Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to say it. When I go into a bookstore, I mean, I always see so many books I want to read. And the only way I'm going to read one book is if I pick one book and I commit to it. Well, and you know who has Price. all
1: those books when you want them later? The, the bookstore. you have
0: them. I can go back. They're yep.
1: holding them. You don't need to.
0: But every time I'm in there, I'm like, I want to read this book on history of the road systems in Chicago. And I want to read this book. Oh, how about I learn Python programming as well? Like, I could do that. Like, I could do anything, but I can't do everything. So, I mean, the only other thing I might say here is, I, I haven't looked this up. You can probably export Chrome bookmarks or browser bookmarks to like a CSV or a list. And if you could do that, you know, you could, you could paste them into a note taking app. So it maybe it's easier to search them
1: in the future. So you have a backup just in case you can, you know, control F for yeah. the right name and it's in there, but.
0: That's the only thing I would maybe do. Uh, and then the other thing is I would fix your process going forward. If you have 10,000 links in a folder, it probably means you were copying every tab you had open without doing, you know, a couple of seconds worth of, Hey, can I just close these ones before saving my tabs? So. In the future, I would say when you're shutting down your computer for the night, close all the tabs you know you don't need. Or maybe use an extension like Workona, which lets you save tabs as resources within specific projects and then close them. So that way they're at least put into basically a folder instead of being jumbled in one list where you have e-bike research next to the resume you're trying to write next yeah. to recipes and you know, it's it's so jumbled up you can't really usefully search that. So that's that's my take on that question. Uh, question number two. I try to stay organized by blocking out the time each task of my day is gonna take, but I'm always struggling to estimate those times accurately. So how can I get better at planning out those times so I don't have to keep adjusting those plans or give up entirely? Classic time estimation problem. What would you do here, Martin?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I have been coincidentally doing. I'm, I always like when I run into a question that relates to something I've been doing. It's like a fresh, fresh anecdote right off the, right off the counter. We got a, uh, I've been doing time blocking again okay. just to audit my time. And then I added another column where I actually write what I did for every half hour block. And what happened was I learned a lot of lessons about how I should not plan my day. It was very useful. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to do set up and clean something. One of my moving tasks, I had an hour blocked out middle of the day to do it something went awry. I spent three and a half or two and a half hours on it instead. That's, a, that's a, a lot of blocks I just deleted out of there. Never would have noticed. I had no idea how much time had passed. The only way I yeah. knew was because I went back and wrote down, okay, what have I been doing for the, oh God, that's not what I wanted it to be. It, I just audited my time
0: blocks. That's all. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to do it. This was actually my suggestion to have a if you're gonna do it analog, have a piece of paper, do one column where you block out your day, you just, you know, go on down the side of the paper, you've got your 8 a.m., 9 a.m., down to maybe 6 p.m., whatever. Do half an hour blocks, where you write what you're gonna do, and then have a second column where you record how it actually went. And if you do this enough, you're gonna to start to see the gap between how you tend to estimate and the time it actually takes you. Uh, One other little tip I would suggest here is when you're creating a time block uh, and you're time blocking your entire day, force yourself to put a half an hour buffer between every single task. Because it's it's so tempting to be like, all right, one hour for podcast recording and then I'm gonna go right into video recording and I'm gonna get this video uploaded. Put a half an hour buffer between all those. If you have an event, put a half an hour buffer after and before the event, and then your next task. Now, you may not need the buffer, but I bet you nine times out of 10, you go into that buffer a little bit. Well, and you're going to be happy
1: also because this is more honest. This is just like with the previous tip. The computer makes you think or your schedule makes you think you can do everything, but you still can't. So forcing yourself to put buffer time forces you to choose fewer activities in your day. You might actually get through them all now.
0: Yep. Cause like we cannot predict everything that will happen in a day and our days would be boring if we could, there's always going to be stuff, you know, like Tony needed me to sit down and check over something before I sat down to record with you. That took like 10 minutes. I didn't plan on that. You know, it was like, Oh, Hey, you know, we have this thing that I thought to add in. Like, do you like it? And I'm like, Oh, actually we should change it a little bit. You know, it takes a bit of time. So try the buffers. Uh, and you may end up eventually through this process of looking back and evaluating how long things actually took, you may stumble across like a rough multiplier that you could add to your initial estimates. So if you're like, oh, I think this will take an hour, maybe, you're, maybe your multiplier is like 1.5 or two. So just you can tell yourself mentally, all right, well, I would think it's going to take an hour. Let's just budget 90 minutes just yeah. to be safe.
1: Yeah. I, it looks like I'm terrible at time. Let's just accept it.
0: Mm-hmm. Like part of me wants to say, okay, keep the time blocks short. So you're sort of encouraged to, you know, work efficiently because you have that time pressure. But I don't know about you. I find it difficult to really respond to time pressure that I set up. Cause my brain knows it's not real. Unless there's like, I gotta catch a flight or something, and this video script is due before I get in the car, then that's real. But if I'm just like, I only have half an hour for this and then I'll go do something else. Like that's harder to really respect.
1: Yeah, that only works for me if friends are waiting for me, somebody requires me to do something or maybe if I've left the house and like I I can't come back until I finish this, then it sort of yep. feels like a real pressure. But if I'm gonna be in the same location and nobody else needs it, it's a fake line. I drew it. I, I'm just gonna move it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think
0: a lot of people are going to feel the same way. I need to and be honest had.
1: and set it bigger. I know that I'm going to take yep. longer than I maybe could if I was, you know, under extreme pressure. But why would I want to live under extreme pressure? That's not actually mm-hmm. what I want to do anyway.
0: But some real pressure is good. I mean, I remember real. when I, yeah, like real pressure. But if I, I force when it every I, day, uh, eh. uh I, I quit my CA or I guess my RA job It's the technical term for it. I quit my RA job after my my first junior year semester, and I quit my other part-time job because uh, College Info Geek was starting to take off, and I'm like, oh, I, I'm gonna give myself more time to work on it, it'll be great. And you remember what happened that semester. I wrote fewer articles, and I was in y'all's apartment playing Marvel versus Capcom 3, a lot. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it turns out having some time pressure is pretty helpful because, you know, not only do you just work more effectively, more efficiently, but I find when I have a lot of time, I do a lot of questioning of myself and my work that I wouldn't do if I didn't have very much time. Like, I just got to get this out. Let's not worry about, is this the perfect adjective to use in this title? Or did I start this with a perfect intro? Because uh, there's almost no way to know, and you know, looking back over content that has done well, it's not because I, I planned out and successfully picked the perfect intro or perfect title. It's just, you know, I threw a lot of things at the wall and some of them did well. And you know, over time, I learned some best practices, but sitting here and questioning every little thing is not gonna help. So having those real deadlines can be very useful. Uh, All right, next question. Where can students learn about finances? Uh, and where did you learn? So... Let's let's tweak this question. Where can people learn about finances? I don't think it just has to be about students no, anymore. Only
1: students are allowed to follow these tips. Everybody only, else, cover your ears.
0: Only Wait, students are allowed. But you know, when you were a student, you probably didn't have a personal finance class. So if you're not, too bad. Sorry. Yeah. Now that's the problem. Like a lot of people don't have uh, uh, real education in the school about personal finance. Uh, and you know, a lot of people were like. This, is, this, is, uh, this should be like a required class. I actually had a required class in my high school that was like a little bit about personal finance. And a lot of people in that class did not pay attention at all. So I still feel like there should be some kind of education around that, but I'm not going to trust it to properly educate people because uh, it's just not, like for a lot of high school kids, it's not education that has a real use right now. And when learning can't be easily applied, it just kinda goes in one ear and out the other. You know, and we try to sort of fix this with tests and things like that, but it's not always that effective.
1: It's all abstract when you're learning it.
0: Yeah, I wanna pull, there's a couple of insights from uh, the last lesson we did for that course creator thing. yeah, here it is. So there's this thing called Malcolm Knowles' Six Assumptions About Learning and Motivation in Learning. And they're, uh, so the first one is need to know. So people need another reason for why they're learning something. Uh, they have, There has to be a foundation, a previous experience. So basically like trial and error experience are the basis for your learning activities. Um, there's the idea of the self-concept. So you have to be responsible for your own decisions in learning. School kind of fails on that front because in many cases, it's just like, learn this curriculum and take the test on it. Uh, the fourth one is readiness. So you have to have some sort of immediate relevance for what you're learning to your life or your work. There's orientation. So that means learning is problem-centered rather than content-oriented. And then there is motivation. Uh, it says adults here respond better to internal versus external motivators. And you know, from my vantage point, uh, traditional education kind of fails on a lot of these fronts. There were a heck of a lot of classes I sat in where it wasn't problem oriented. They were just trying to shove content in my brain. Here's the definition for the mitochondria. Uh, The external motivator was the only motivator there. Get the good grade. Immediate relevance, that was not there in many cases. The the relevance they tried to shoehorn in there was, you need this for being a well-rounded citizen and getting into college, I guess, and passing your SAT. Uh, responsible for your own decisions, learn learning, barely. And then a lot of times it's not experience based, it's just doing homework and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of people were like your personal finance education, all this practical education should be built into the school system. I'm just skeptical about its effectiveness. You did have to revamp like, how
1: classes work entirely for that class to really help a lot.
0: Yeah. So, you know, taking all of that, the way that I learned finance was by having questions that really applied to my life at the time, and then going and learning as much as I could, so I could answer that question. Um, I think the first book I ever read that was kind of about personal finance was Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that book is—it's kind of about money. It's also about entrepreneurship. He had this matrix that was like, um, you know, if you're if you're trading hours for dollars, you're an you're just basically an employee or there's uh, you know, freelancers and there's business people and there's investors who their money works for them. I can't remember the exact specifics of the quadrants, but I remember looking at that and realizing, oh, okay, so there's all these different ways of value generation. That was useful to me because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life at, the point, at that point. And then you know, trying to get into college, my parents told me, hey, we can't pay for college. So you're kind of on your own. So not only was I learning how to apply for scholarships on my own, I was also digging into the FAFSA, which is that federal application for student aid to learn like, okay, well, how much am I liable to be able to get in terms of of aid here in terms of loans and in terms of scholarships. Um, And then, you know, for me, in my case, like running college info geek, I was making content and building this resource where, Eventually, you know, it started having a financial incentive for me. So I'm like, cool, I want to go out and write an article about the FAFSA. I literally need to read the FAFSA so I know what I'm talking about and put out good information. Otherwise, the reputation of my blog is at stake. That's a lot more relevant than just, hey, you need to know this because it'll be on the test. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for investing, like, I want to start investing. Oh, how do I do that? I guess I'll Google how to start investing. Oh, they say Vanguard is good. They have low fees. Cool. Let me look at all these Vanguard funds. Um, it's all been, you know, if not immediate problems in my life, it's been things I want to do, or at least want to be able to do. And then I go out and figure out like, what do I need to know to be able to do that? You know, if, if I would like to, Invest in real estate in the in the future. What do I need to know to be able to do that? Okay, go out and find a resource. Um, the other part that's very important here is data literacy and critical source evaluation. So this is basically building this skill of evaluating the sources you're looking at and being able to tell like, what is this based on? Is this based in good research? Are the sources strong? Or is it just somebody kind of talking out their butt? So in many cases, I've gone and literally read the US tax code to get information. I've literally read the 1040 tax sheet, all the text beneath the fields you're supposed to fill in. So I understand, oh, this is what the standard deduction actually is. You know, this is what an exemption is. Now I understand it. Now I understand what the federal tax brackets are because I read them on the IRS website. I didn't just look up someone's video on YouTube. I went to the source. And that isn't to say that, you know, watching YouTube videos or reading books or reading articles isn't good, but you want to be able to evaluate the sources of information, especially when you get into the areas where incentives can warp people's advice that they give. Yeah. Investing is a huge thing there. You know, a lot of people have a lot to gain by getting you to, I don't know, invest in uh, invest with like a financial advisor who takes a big fee. A lot of people out there have a lot to gain from steering you in that direction. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the philosophy there. I I didn't read any specific book that was like, I now know everything. It was more just this organic process over years of being curious, digging into tons of different resources, and then figuring out how to verify how good those resources were. Yeah. Um, in terms of books, I did read a book called Your Money, The Missing Manual when I was in college. That was a useful like general overview of personal finance. Uh, JD Roth wrote that book and he's a great source. And then I recently read A, a Random Walk Down Wall Street, which is a fantastic book on investing. Um, it's a little dense, so either, I, I don't know, <laughs> either read it if you're really, really curious or at maybe just read the last few chapters that are kind of like, the the really condensed here's how to invest your money and why. Cause the first, I don't know, 250 pages of that book are pretty academic. It's like, here's the difference between a uh, technical analysis versus found, uh, fundamental analysis, like that kind of stuff. And I don't know, I feel like most people don't need to know that. And I feel like the only reason he really wrote that stuff into the book is just to sort of bash on both of them. <laughs> Fair. I think his point is basically like, you know, if you're a fundamental analysis guy or you're a technical analysis guy, like you, either way compared to index fund investing, most people doing either form of this are kind of just waving their hands over a crystal ball just with more numbers and trying to beat the stock market and usually failing.
1: Yeah, and I guess if if a lot of people aren't going to find that part very immediately helpful, they're not going to remember it anyway
0: no yeah i wouldn't do that um i'm still working on my investing video that's coming out soon uh the listen money matters website is really good i used to co-host the listen money matters podcast it's also good uh, i think that is done but there is still the archive you can go back through tons of great episodes i'm on about 200 of them though i'm not sure if all oh yeah yeah they're all still there and uh i also like investopedia it's kind of like wikipedia for investing and in personal finance uh, and what I like about their site is their authors have their articles read through and basically verified by an expert, and they have to cite primary sources for their work, which you can find at the bottom of the article. So it is it's got pretty stringent citation and uh, evaluation criteria. So I think it's a good resource. and it's pretty it's pretty academic overall. There's not a whole lot of, here's how to get rich, bro. It's more like, here is what a stock is. You know, well, and that's a lot of the issue it,
1: here is you have to get used to reading denser stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, the nice thing is it's not that dense. Like most articles are fairly short and they do a good job of having, and a lot of articles, short like one or two minute videos that just sort of explain the gist of the concept.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah, I, so I know a lot of the reason that I haven't been screwed over is merely reading contracts, but- Yes, you have to be willing to read things and learn things and you got to be patient because it goes way deeper than maybe it should, or maybe you would want it to. Uh I know I saw somebody recently complaining about like Adobe charging them a cancellation fee when they had clearly signed up for the annual plan paid monthly, which blatantly says it's the annual plan paid monthly versus the month to month plan. And it's like, this is, you agreed don't just click buttons that say (laughs) i agree don't don't sign your master permissory note if you didn't read it i read mine i i've read every word of my leases to the point that the people who gave them to me were like i didn't even realize you were gonna this is like a boilerplate lease i don't even know that i've read the whole thing (laughs) like just pay attention largely because it's all trying to be confusing
0: Mm -hmm. wow that's it is surprising to me that a landlord wouldn't read their lease. Well,
1: like the management management person of the apartment, like the person working the desk okay. that sends it over. I'm maybe the maybe the person who actually signs the other end has read it, but Yeah. Like I'm here reading into like, okay, what does this imply about candles? And they're like, Oh, we've never even slightly worried about candles. And I was like, Oh, well technically, if you look at section fourteen, subsection B, I just <laughs> wanted to make sure now I have it in writing because I did an email. And uh there we go. But I'm just super picky about reading all of that stuff. So like, yeah. if you find yourself surprised that you're paying a fee, there's a chance that it's just a company doing some evil nonsense. But like, I'm sure the company has lawyers. There's a bigger chance that you missed a detail somewhere in mm-hmm. there that it was possible. It doesn't matter whether it's fair or not, cause that's not how it works. You know, Maybe they made it a little iffy to find, but there's a possibility of getting that information.
0: Yeah. You'd be a good lawyer. Maybe not like a trial lawyer. I'm I'm finding it hard to imagine you like in a courtroom, like pounding your fist, and being like you're guilty or whatever, but uh, you're very, very detail oriented. So
1: yeah, I think I'm too chill mm-hmm. and I don't know that I could defend guilty people. You know, maybe I'd just, I'd just be like, well,
0: have you considered
1: maybe calming down? You know, it's not that, not that <laughs> huge. Of, let's all just talk. Let's just let's just chill here for a minute and think about this. And then, you know, that's not good. I'm supposed to do yep. Phoenix right motions and cool stuff. I that's think. true.
0: You have to yell objection a lot. Uh, all right. So we have our next question here. I have trouble sticking to a morning routine long enough to do anything with it. Do you still stick to a morning routine? And how long have you had it? Well, I know you've been building a new routine. This is uh, my previous one's dead. I've also been building a new routine and mine is, mine is complicated, which might actually be a good thing to discuss. Cause I've gotten a lot of questions from people who are like, Hey, my, my work schedule changes. How do I have a morning routine when that happens? Well, something that happens for me is if it's a filming day or a podcasting day, which I'm hoping to merge into one going forward. But if those are the case, I need to be here. Um. Uh, if it's not those kind of days though, what I'm trying to do is get up and ride my bike to the co-working space because I really, really enjoy that commute. I like the exercise I get. Um, I like the sunlight, like it's just a very, very useful routine. It's all on bike paths, so I don't have any traffic to worry about. I can listen to audiobooks the whole time. It's great. So that's the routine that I kind of have right now where I've been waking up around six, get up, make some quick breakfast, you know, shower, and then get on the bike and go to the office. Pretty simple routine. I'm not doing any weird meditation or anything. Uh, Ouch. But on, the, on the days that I can't do that, I have to get up and basically like do all that except for the the bike part, which is the part I wanna do. Um, it made me think back, though, to when I had just graduated college. I was still living in Iowa because I was waiting for Anna to graduate, living with you guys, and I had, I had a routine that I probably stuck to for longer than any other morning routine where I would get up, I would make breakfast, and then I would go for a long walk and listen to an audiobook. So, very similar to what I'm doing now with my commute. And that, like that part of the routine, I was always excited for because I really enjoyed the process of going for a walk, of listening to a book. And that was what would get me up. And once I was up and I knew that was happening, it's like, cool, okay, make the breakfast. Awesome. Go out and do the walk you know and it's simple i don't have to have a ton of different crazy habits in there as long as i've got up i've eaten something healthy got a little bit of exercise done some learning if i'm listening to a nonfiction audiobook that seems like a good morning to me and then i get to work
1: yeah and you're much more likely to keep it going just because you got that part you want mhm um i've been working on trying to fix mine starting with going to bed earlier because i like to wake yeah. up very early and my previous attempts at just forcing myself to do that have not been working because my sleep schedule got really messed up over, over moving, over working so much last week. I was up till like 3.30 one night, that didn't help. And then I would try to wake up at six anyway, sometimes when I hadn't had enough sleep and that just, that wasn't helping. So first I'm just gonna try to go to bed earlier and then naturally wake up earlier and we'll see what happens. But mm-hmm. my best routines have always allowed time for things that I'm looking forward to as well. Just being able to read, meditate, make tea and perhaps go outside in some way, walking or biking. And I I definitely stick to those ones better than any others. I think Mm -hmm. my best one, I was waking up at five every morning. That's the, like my best routine I felt best about. But obviously that's difficult because I have to go to bed at like 10 to make that sustainable. So it's hard. Yeah. I
0: find if, if I want to be consistent with 6.00 AM, I need to be in bed around 1030 at the latest. If it starts creeping to 11, I can do it for a while, but it will start to take its toll. So I'm definitely like a seven hours, 15 minutes to seven and a half hour person. And I, I have to have it. But again, like to your point, going to bed early is easier when you have something in the morning that you're looking forward to and you know that you need to be well rested to get up that early to do it.
1: Yeah, and and maybe if um you're just getting started, you might want to make sure that that part is during is early enough that if you mess it up, if you stay up late, you'll still wake up on time for work or school or whatever but you'll have to skip the part you like. So it'll be like, okay, I'm staying up late tonight, but I know I'm probably screwing up the part of the morning I'm looking forward to. But then you Mm -hmm. won't be unable to do your like hard deadline things.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a good suggestion. Find something that you like in the morning routine and that should help you do the rest of it. Uh, Last one, how can I stop, excuse me, from being too hard on myself for not doing more we're not doing better? Uh, I mean, this one, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, whenever I'm like, you're not doing enough, Tom, you need to do better, you need to do more, it's usually because I was on social media and I saw somebody else doing more, doing better, or I perceive them to be doing <laughs> more or better. And I'm like, okay, now I'm doing a negative comparison of myself versus the other person, and now I feel bad. That is like 90% or more the reason why I feel that. So two things, maybe be on social media less often so you have fewer opportunities for those comparisons, but also realize that social media is a curated thing. Like people generally don't show the struggles that take place in order for them to do the things that they're sharing. They just sort of share what's cool. you know, some people do share the struggles. I actually very much appreciate how my friend Ali Abdal often shares, like, "Ah, I just feel very unproductive today, guys. I'm just gonna go play video games all night." Like, it, I think that's healthy. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of social media doesn't have that. It's Just a lot of exposure to people's best sides, and a lot of people.
1: Yeah, way way more people <clears throat> than we would normally know, anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's definitely. A good one, I will say that a lot of the negative feelings that I get also come from that, just because I feel like I expect myself to match everyone at the same time because I'm yep. supposed to but and if it's not that though, it still might just be your expectations are unrealistic either in general or within the time frame that you're mm-hmm. giving yourself i I think a lot of criticism of a lot of things are just related to having expectations that weren't necessary, like if somebody doesn't like like if there's a new video game coming out in any series that I like I don't really think further about it I don't set up a bunch of expectations in my heart about what I need it to do for me I think oh nice and then when it gets there I enjoy it for whatever happens to be there and sure yeah. I can point out some criticisms if I felt like it but I just choose to not feel like it I don't set expectations so I'm not mad about those things I think that it is a good idea to do the same thing with yourself just you're setting expectations. Don't choose to set the ones that are going to hurt you because you don't really know where you're going to go until you get there when it comes to really any skills, any sources of inspiration. I just had a really cool idea the other day for some music thing I want to try. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan it. I didn't say, Martin, you have to come up with a brand new idea for how to approach your music. Uh, It just happened by complete mistake. And only because I wasn't forcing that stress on me, was I able to come across it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think knowing what you know from um, experiments you've done on how much you're able to get done, time boxing, time tracking, all that kind of stuff, when an expectation is making you feel bad because you're not living up to it, I think you need to pause and ask yourself, okay, realistically, could I have hit that expectation? if I had just been, you know, working more efficiently in a realistic sense, or is the expectation too high? Because what I want my expectations to do for me, I want them to motivate me to work effectively. I don't want them to make me feel guilty or bad. I only want them to push me positively. That's it. So I need to temper them so that they do provide that motivation, but that But, you know, so they're not so high that they're just like making me feel constantly guilty or bad.
1: Yeah. And if you get to that point, you're not benefiting yourself, but you're also not benefiting anybody else. Mm -hmm. So, so if your goal is like, I'm supposed to like help my family or my friend do something and I'm failing, you're still not helping them by sitting there and beating yourself up over it. You could move on and start helping, but you're still Mm -hmm. not as long as you dwell on the negatives.
0: And the expectation should be an iteration past where you already are. So, you know, if I've been making one or two videos a month, my expectation should not be, okay, eight videos a month, man. Let's do it. Please please don't say those words. Don't say all (laughs) of those. Not right now. That's not the expectation. All right? The expectation is cool. Delegate to the team. The team can make one video a week with proper lead time. That is the expectation. I know that it's possible, especially if I don't act control freaky. So that expectation is motivating to me. Yeah. We can, we can jump up to eight later. Yeah. Especially with the, with the rewards that it offers. It offers me time to work on my course. It offers me time to work on this book pitch, to ride my bike, to work, which does take a significant amount of time since it is 45 miles of commuting per day. But, uh, you know, that's fine. But yeah, if I was just like, I needs to be, needs to be eight videos a week, man. And they all have to hit 500,000 views and, like I'm just gonna make myself feel bad. It's not realistic right now. So next iteration on where I am now. Get there. See if I can maintain that for a while. Can I? Do I wanna move forward from that? Cool, next iteration. Five videos a month. Cause yeah, yeah, we wouldn't wanna double from four to from four to eight. want wanna say, cool, we have four. Realistically, we got that in the bag. Add one more as like a you know, in case, and if we don't need it, publish it. Cool. As like a surprise. Yeah. Can we do that? Cool. Six. Not a, yeah. So we have to, we have to, we have to jump up by realistic amounts, I think. So uh, I think those are our five questions.
1: That they we are. trucked
0: through them. Look at that. So cool. I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Unless you have any last nuggets of wisdom to drop um bees are cool they are
1: that's the wisdom i've chosen they are very cool maybe meditate on that
0: we're gonna start seeing some bees here in colorado got lots of bees here i bet you got lots of bees in minneapolis too i shall find them and meditate next to them There you go that's the wisdom that sounds good all right so yeah thought for the day maybe go meditate next to some bees
1: not if you're allergic
0: (laughs) not if you're allergic i didn't do this (laughs)
1: That's an asterisk, no lawyers.
0: <laughs> yeah, we didn't actually do it, but you know, maybe think about it. Uh, so that is gonna do it for this episode. If you wanna find the show notes, you can go over to theinforium.com slash 19. I'm not sure what all we mentioned here, but there's probably some stuff we mentioned. So, oh yeah, there's lots of financial resources at the very least we mentioned. So check those out. If you haven't subscribed to the show, you can go over to theinforium.com to find links to subscribe. We are on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on uh, Google Podcasts or whatever they're using these days. And there's the podcast feed. So we're on pretty much every other podcast player that you can think of, Stitchers, Pocket Casts, all that kind of cool stuff. So when you hit that subscribe button, you're gonna get new episodes, uh, either downloading to your device, if you set it that way, or at least showing up in your feed every other Monday when they come out. I'm not used to saying every other Monday, even though we've been doing every other Monday for a long time now. Uh, That's it. If you're an Apple Podcast user, there is a rating and review feature in the Apple Podcast Store. So if you want to support this show, a great way to do it is to leave us a five-star rating and review. Let us know what you think. Uh, And like we said, if you want your questions featured on future Five Questions episodes, the comment section on the Inforium YouTube channel or our Twitters are great places to ask questions. I'm Tom Frankly on Twitter. Martin is yellow Martholomew. You may want to consider following us. I tweet cool stuff about Notion. And uh, right now, like city design and cycling along with productivity stuff. I think I'm actually gonna do an experiment where, uh, you know, I was doing those Twitter videos. Yeah, I might try chopping up YouTube videos into like Twitter threads and seeing how that does as well. I don't know, yeah. I want to experiment. And we've got a content syndication team idea. at Standard now and they can start doing that for me. So I want to do some experiments. So cool stuff is coming on Twitter if you use that. Um, But if you do use Twitter, maybe check it like once a day and then don't be scrolling through it, comparing yourself to everyone else on social media. It's like a weird business we're in where we understand that social media can be Please go to the thing
1: that's bad for you. But it's also useful for our
0: businesses. And yeah, it's like the individual pieces of content that I put out are made to improve the world. They're just on a platform that I think, if not used properly, de-improves the world. It de-improves it. That's, <laughs> de-improves it.
1: <laughs> you've thrown me uh, so much off with that that I can't think of what an actual word for that is. You've harms, really you've really messed with my head now. De-improves. De- That's canon. De-improves.
0: <laughs> See, deprove is not the opposite of improve. Yeah, what is... Unimprove. Is that, is that it? Is it Unimprove.
1: I don't know. I'm so confused now. This is like this you've is literally. This is like. Uh, this is gonna be a throwback, but you know when you used to you, like you put a magnet up to the monitor and you like degauss it and it looks like all- That's happened to my brain. Is what's happening. And the
0: opposite of improve. Uh. Is impair, or ruin? Oh, disimprove. There we go. I don't know if I use any of those of your, on a
1: regular basis. Maybe that's why I've just, I'm not usually this stumped. Wow.
0: Yeah, I think it is um, is disimprove because unimprove, or I don't know, maybe unimprove. Unimprove would be to remove an improvement or disimprove would be to actively impair or I harm. think
1: badify might be the word we're
0: looking for. Badify, that's pretty It badifies the world. Let's, let's rename our podcast to Goodify.
1: That just sounds like some sort of hipster. Goodify.co. That sounds like a thing. If I type come that on, in, it's probably thing. Come on a over
0: thing. to Goodify.co. We sell like notebooks that are going to make you think more about your life and introspect. And you know, that, you'll probably get rich that way. Don't take my word for it. Take buying these it, testimonials right that now. I paid for. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the 4m So as always, thanks for hanging out with us. And we will see you in the next episode. Thank you.